Hi everyone, Sandman here. Today I'm going to talk about Arthur Schopenhauer in this fourth installment of my God Among MGTOW series. Schopenhauer influenced many great thinkers, including Nietzsche and Albert Einstein, with the body of his work. But for my purposes, I will be reading excerpts from his work, Studies in Pessimism of Women, and analyzing this particular piece. Schopenhauer chose to never marry and lived out his life in quiet solitude and contemplation. By all accounts, he was a man going his own way, and we have much to learn from him. Here is the first line of that work that I'd like to analyze. Schopenhauer says that women are directly fitted for acting as nurses and teachers of our early childhood by the fact that they are childish, frivolous, and short-sighted. In a word, they are big children all their life a kind of intermediate state between the child and the full-grown man. He saw women as nurses and teachers of early childhood, and that was true back in those days. But what many people don't realize is that up until the 20th century, nurses were mostly male. Yet today, male nurses are ridiculed by female nurses and society in general. And today, many more t female teachers are teaching children beyond the early education years, up into the high school and college level. My friends that frequent Plenty of Fish will often tell me that almost every second listing is of a teacher looking for a husband. I didn't believe it until I saw it with my own eyes. Anyways, getting back on topic, Schopenhauer says that women are childish, frivolous, and short-sighted, which makes them perfect for today's consumer-based economy. The marketing machine targets women that make up 85% of the frivolous consumption that we see today. Women are the fuel for our economy, while men are the engines. Here's yet another quote. As for a few years, she dowers them with the wealth of beauty and is lavish in her gift of charm at the expense of all the rest of their life, so that during those years they may capture the fantasy of some man to such a degree that he is hurried away into undertaking the honorable care of them, in some form or another, as long as they live, a step for which there could not appear to be any sufficient warranty if reason only directed his thoughts. So Schopenhauer is basically saying what most of us already know, that women's youth and beauty are there to capture the imagination of a man so that he can fall in love with them and thus become the provider for the rest of his life. This was true in the 19th century, but once the state began to cater to the desires of women, it was no longer about men directly supporting women with their wages, but instead taxes were levied on men as well to take care of other women as well. A good beta male provider might support his wife and children, but his taxes are additionally used to take care of other women. So in many cases, taxes are levied to support the burden of single mothers. So it can be said that most working men are providing for more than one woman through our taxation system. The men in Schopenhauer's time had it easy financially when compared to the men of today. In another part of his writing, he says that in their hearts, women think that it is man's business to earn money and theirs to spend it, if possible during their husband's life, but at any rate after his death. The very fact that their husband hands them over his earnings for purposes of housekeeping strengthens them in this belief. He is of course describing the 19th century world, where women didn't work, 
But what he might be saying is that women feel entitled to the money that men bring to the table while they are alive, so they have no issues spending any accumulated leftover male wealth after the husband's death. The more I read Schopenhauer's work, the more it seems that men have a more equitable deal in the 19th century compared to today. He also says their way of looking at things is quite different from ours, chiefly in the fact that they like to take the shortest way to their goal, and in general manage to fix their eyes upon what lies before them, while we, as a rule, see far beyond it, just because it is in front of our noses. In cases like this, we need to be brought back to the right standpoint, so as to recover the near and simple view. Men in general think more than a few steps ahead, and now that we have government debts in most Western nations that are unserviceable, we have no one to blame but the short-sighted politicians in power that are elected by short-sighted ladies that demand more social programs and goodies from the government each year. Detroit is a great example of such short-sightedness because now pensioners are going to lose 80 to 85 percent of their pension money. There won't be much money left over except for basic food and energy use. Women tend to vote or elect social governments that mortgage our futures away to unscrupulous bankers. Where I don't tend to agree with Schopenhauer is when he says that women show more sympathy for the unfortunate than men do, and so treat them with more kindness and interest. While it's true that women give more money in the form of charity to the poor and needy, I don't think that he's right with his word sympathy. I believe that sympathy violates Briefold's law, and I instead believe that if a woman appears sympathetic, her motives are more about approval and attention than genuine altruism. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't agree with Schopenhauer on this one. He goes on to say that because women in truth exist entirely for the propagation of the race and their destiny ends here, they live more for the species than for the individual, and in their hearts take the affairs of the species more seriously than those of the individual. This gives to their whole being and character a certain frivolousness, and altogether a certain tendency which is fundamentally different from that of man. This statement is why women are more likely to flourish in a collectivist or socialist state, and why women voters push for left-wing ideologies. Spending wealth on themselves and children today means better odds for future survival of those particular offspring, and themselves for women. Throughout most of history, food was scarce, so the selfish woman survived and lived to breed for another day. It's a genetic advantage. But today, that same selfish gene that made humans the most successful species on the planet is destroying the very ecology that gave rise to it in the first place. Another interesting observation that Schopenhauer had was this. One need only watch the way they behave at a concert, the opera, or the play. The childish simplicity, for instance, with which they keep on chattering during the finest passages in the greatest masterpieces. If it is true that the Greeks forbade women to go to the play, they acted in the right way. Today's equivalent would be the movie houses. And more often than not, when I go out to see a film, the person talking behind me is often a woman. I've even had the ending of films ruined for me a few times by women when they were talking directly behind me. They had already seen the film and decided it was a good idea to talk about the ending with their friends. 
Perhaps it's a bad analogy, but I felt it was important to bring it up, nonetheless. Schopenhauer continues by saying, Nothing different can be expected of women if it is born in the mind that the most eminent of the whole sex have never accomplished anything in the fine arts that is really great, genuine, and original, or given the world any kind of work of permanent value. This is most striking in regard to painting, the technique of which is as much within their reach as within ours. This is why they pursue it so industriously. Still, they have not a single great painting to show for it, for the simple reason that they lack the objectivity of mind, which is precisely what is directly necessary in painting. Today, the equivalent of painting would probably be film. And in the film industry, there are very few female directors and cinematographers and artistic directors responsible for building sets. Among the most controversial things that Schopenhauer says is that men are instinctively polygamists, and that it's not humanity's nature to be monogamous, but monogamy limits a woman's ability to find a husband and a home. And he goes on to say that only through polygamy can women become subordinate to men, because more than one woman will be fighting for the attention of a single man. But what he doesn't seem to take into consideration is what to do with the surplus population of men and boys that are unable to have more than one wife under this system. What happens to them? He also cites that European women would become happy if they were polygamists. Again, I don't know if it's possible to make women happy through polygamy. And personally, I failed to make women happy most of my life as well. Another interesting point he makes with regards to women in India, he says that it's certainly a revolting idea that widows should sacrifice themselves on their husband's dead body. But it is also revolting that the money which a man has earned by working diligently all of his life in the hope that he can pass it on to his children should be wasted on her paramours. I'll let you take that line to mean whatever you want it to mean. In the meantime, I'll read the last paragraph from his work and end it on that note. In almost every nation, both of the new and old world, and even among the Hetentots, property is inherited by the male descendants alone. It is only in Europe that one has departed from this system, that the property which men have difficulty acquiring by long-continued struggling and work should afterwards come into the hands of women, who in their want of reason either squander it within a short time or otherwise waste it, is not an injustice as great as it is common. And it should be prevented by limiting the right of women to inherit. It seems to me that it would be a better arrangement if women by their widows or daughters only inherited the money for life secured by mortgage, but not the property itself or the capital, unless there lacked male descendants. It is men who make the money, and not women. Therefore, women are neither justified in having unconditional possession of it, nor capable of administering it. Women should never have the free disposition of wealth, strictly so-called, which they may inherit, such as capital, houses, and estates. They need a guardian always. Therefore, they should not have the guardianship of their children under any circumstances whatever. The vanity of women, even if it should not be greater than that of men, has this evil in it, that it is directed on material things 
that is to say, on their personal beauty, and then on tinsel, pomp, and show. This is why they are in their right element in society. This it is which makes them inclined to be extravagant, especially since they possess little reasoning power. Accordingly, an ancient writer says that men's vanity, on the other hand, is often directed at non-material advantages, such as intelligence, learning, courage, and the like. Aristotle explains in the Politics the great advantages which the Spartans brought upon themselves by granting too much to their women, by allowing them the right to inheritance and dowry, and a great amount of freedom, and court and government, which led to the First Revolution, of which all subsequent disturbances have been a result of. In any case, the false position of female sex, so conspicuously exposed by the existence of the lady, is a fundamental defect in our social condition, and this defect, proceeding from the very heart of it, must extend its harmful influence in every direction. That woman is by nature intended to obey is shown by the fact that every woman who is placed in an unnatural position of absolute independence at once attaches herself to some kind of man, by whom she is controlled and governed. This is because she requires a master. If she is young, the man is a lover. If she is old, a man is the priest. Please take into consideration that this text was written over a hundred years ago, and that the values between men and women have obviously changed. The link to the full text is below in the description. Enjoy the rest of your day, and cheers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.